Hello, friends. Welcome to the Logistics of Logistics podcast. My name is Joe Lynch. Thank you so much for joining us today. On the Logistics of Logistics, I talk to experts in logistics and transportation, warehousing, fulfillment, supply chain, and of course, technology. And during these interviews, I'm always the one asking the dumb questions. I ask the dumb questions so you don't have to. Today's topic is the state of logistics podcasting with my friend Blythe Broomleaf. Guys, I didn't interview Blythe. Blythe interviewed me over on her podcast called Everything is Logistics. And all I did was add this intro onto the interview I did with her. So if you listen to Blythe's podcast, you probably already heard this one, but if not, please take a listen. Blythe is an excellent podcaster. She has, the, has her podcast called Everything is Logistics. She also does a podcast called Cyberly for Freight Waves. She is a very good speaker, an excellent logistics marketer. She's done a lot of things in this space. I've had her on my podcast many times. In fact, she's one of the first people to come on my podcast many years ago. She's a good friend. So please take a listen. But before we get to the interview, I want to talk about Transportation Marketing and Sales Association. Their business is helping you grow your sales. So that's TMSA. Their website is tmsatoday.org. They have a conference coming up in June, June 11th, down in Savannah. Great place. You should get to that conference. I'm going to be there. And the reason I'm going is like the same reason everyone else goes there. We want to grow our sales. And the experts are there. If you want to learn, you want to network, this is the place to go. Savannah is an easy place to get to. Beautiful city in June. I will put a link in the show notes, but check them out. I will be there. Everybody wants to be on podcasts now or start their own podcast. This is just one of the many topics you will learn about down there. Again, if you want to grow your sales and who doesn't, this is where you go. I will see you there. Welcome into another episode of Everything is Logistics, a podcast for the thinkers in freight. I am your host, Blythe Bremley, and I'm happy to welcome in Joe Lynch. He is the host of the Logistics of Logistics podcast, and we're going to be talking about the state of podcasting in freight. Uh, drink every time I say the word logistics or podcast in this episode, because it's probably going to be a lot, and you, well, maybe don't, don't drink every time we say that, because you might not make it to the end of the show, but... Joe, welcome in. Thank you so much, Blythe. I, I'm I'm happy to be here. I'm, I'm always happy to catch up with you. We were talking before we hit record, and I was, you were saying that, oh my God, we're not going to have enough time if we don't start. <laughs> so yes, exactly. Begin blabbing. It, it, this has happened to me um, frequently this week, where I start the conversation off and we just get going, and then all of a sudden you realize you haven't hit record yet, and you've missed a lot of really good parts of the conversation. Right, right. So and then you can't I didn't recreate want that to happen it. today. <laughs> yeah, you can't recreate it. Yeah, that's that. Well, anyway, I'm I'm happy to be on your podcast, and I have listened to your podcast when you were doing over at Cyberly and your new one over here at Everything Is Logistics. Well, thank you so much. I mean, obviously, I've been a longtime fan of of yours, oh, you. and you, you've been really, you know, for folks who may not know, you've really been a pioneer in this space when it comes to this, you know, newer, newish, I guess, to logistics medium, and that is podcasting. Um, but before you got to podcasting, you actually spent quite a bit of time as a writer, as also working in logistics. So for folks who, who may not be aware of your career background before podcasting, can you kind right. of give us an idea of that? Yep. So since I've been working a long time, I'll, I'll, I'll make a bullet point. So I started my career at 19. I, st I went to work for my dad's engineering business and we were in Michigan, Dearborn, and 
He did mostly automotive engineering. And I was a draftsman. God, look it up, kids. It's like using, it was before the CAD systems came. And then I went eventually, uh, my dad had this small company. He, he had a heart attack. I ended up working, I'm running that company. So my hair started going gray. And um, we ultimately closed that business. But I stayed in automotive engineering and uh, product development. I got my degrees at night and it took like 19 years. I don't advise and um, I stayed in automotive, kind of moving up through engineering. And then I was a program manager. I launched cars all over the world, China, Thailand, Europe, Mexico. And I traveled. I had a good life. In 2008, 2009, when all the automotive companies went bankrupt, I was doing work with Chrysler. I didn't work there, but I was a supplier. And they went out of business. Um, I shouldn't say Chrysler. They went bankrupt. They didn't pay us. And I lost my job. I was at this little company that I was hoping to buy someday. And suddenly I find myself out of work. And at that time, I couldn't have bought myself a job in automotive. There was nothing to be gotten. And so I got recruited to this little logistics company. And I went to work there. And it was great. They had a um, TMS. They didn't. It was off the shelf. I won't say who, but it was great. And I say this, Blythe, at that time, 2010, as I'm showing potential customers that, they looked at me like I was Steve Jobs. They were like waving people into the room. You should see this. What do you call this show? I go, I call it the transportation management system. But um, about that time, I also started writing the logistics of logistics as a blog. And my purpose was to get business. And what I quickly noticed is, yes, I have a successful blog followed by my competition, other logistics people. So I had this following. I started the Logistics of Logistics group on LinkedIn, which now has like 215,000 people in it. But wow. it was just a writing to gain some notoriety. I will also say this, like I can never forget what this felt like to be in an industry for many years in automotive and all of a sudden be out and really unable to find a job. When I went to logistics, I took a huge pay cut. And it was a little it was a little company, kind of in turnaround mode. I was the COO, general manager, titles come cheap. Um, but I learned a ton from the founder of that company. We grew the triple the size of the company while I was there. And I thought, I'm never going back. I thought I'd be back to automotive after two years. But I loved how entrepreneurial this space was. And I loved how um, how it was just wide open. And by the way, there was also automotive is very mature. Logistics was very immature. It's growing up now. But anyway, I started the podcast five years ago. At that time, I had left that little logistics company and I was doing some consulting. I was helping. I was doing some digital marketing like you kind of do. We've talked about that in the past and um, doing some digital marketing. I was doing some sales training. I also advised very large shippers on how to select a 3PL. And right about that time, my um, right before COVID, my executive coach said, by that time I've been podcasting, you know, two years. And she said, why don't you make the podcast your main business? And I was like, because I don't make any money on it. <laughs> about that, Anne? How's that, how's that work? And she goes, well, figure it out. And so I I do have some sponsors and, and I'm starting to get advertisers. And um, I'm still, still dabbling in 
a uh, little consulting. So that's my long blathering story. Um, but I've learned so much and I've enjoyed it so much over the last five years, really seriously over the last two or three years. And so it really, it was just a recommendation from your, your coach to, to start the podcast. That, that was the big reason why you started I had it. started it. There was a guy, I forgot his name now. He was a blogger in logistics. And he, by the way, he deleted his, his name is George. He deleted his blog. Um, blog. It got basically hacked. And he, would, and he invited me on his podcast. And he said, I'm doing a podcast for high school sports in Pennsylvania. We talked about it a lot. And then he cared more about that. And ultimately, he started doing really well on that. But I remember when he said, would you be on my podcast to talk about logistics? I was like, George, what are you doing? Like, you're like <laughs> we're bloggers. We don't, we're not doing that. <laughs> and then I was like, you know, that was easier than writing an article. <laughs> you know that life. It's a lot easier to hear blowhards like me talk than to sit down and write. Yes. And, and I, you, I love that you said that, you know, we're writers. We don't do podcast because I said the same thing about myself. I'm not in front of the camera. I'm a writer. I will least, never do that. At least that. you look good in front of the camera, Blythe. <laughs> you do as well, too. And, and that's, uh, and, and I think, and, you know. And Manifest, somebody said to me, you look a lot younger in real in person, in real life. And I was like, yeah, but who sees me in real life? God darn it. Oh, <laughs> so. oh well, that, that's, well, you know, as we kind of, so you, you started, you know, before COVID, because I think COVID was kind of the catalyst for a lot of different content marketers in logistics. And that's where you saw, you know, a lot of the networking that, you know, at conferences where all the conferences were virtual. And so everybody moved right. to remote. And so you, you saw this growth extraordinary growth of just marketers going on LinkedIn and, you know, making live streams and then turning those into podcasts. And um, I, I was one of those folks included. I've been a podcaster since 2014, but I never logistics specific right. until it was around, you know, 2019 is when I started the, the Digital Dispatch podcast, which is now Everything is Logistics. Um, but what did you what did you make of that first, you know, sort of, I guess, six months of like the COVID lockdown and seeing all of these these people making content. What, what were your initial thoughts? Um, well, I did know just that a lot of them quit after they do it for a while. And I would also say um, every once in a while, somebody will say, well, that other podcaster competes against you, but I never see it that way. I just see it as, first off, I've said this about freight waves. They're like, they're like the Beatles and the rest of us, the rest of the British invasion kind of following on their coattails. They have long, wide coattails for us to ride, but they created a larger market. When somebody listens to your podcast and they go, oh, okay, I listen to Blythe, and then hopefully they come over to mine or some others, there has to be a market for this. So the bigger the market, the better for everybody. And I would also say uh, there was just some conversation. Uh, Dan, the driver on LinkedIn, had said something about what podcast should I be on? And... He was saying, what are the stats? Show me the stats. And I was kind of making the, um, I made the point that there's like a community of that, that gets built in these and um, between other podcasters, but between the audience and then also um, um, even if, even if a thousand downloads a month is all you have and, and you know those people and you start to build that relationship and that's what happens. Relationships happen before we hit record. We were, talking about manifest we're talking about some other stuff 
we could have blathered on for an hour just just because we've gotten to know each other through podcasting. You've been on my my podcast a few times, so I don't know if I answered your question there, but um, I, I what I made of it was good. Now I do know that some are not going to last, and that's fine. It is hard harder than it seems to keep a podcast going. When I was still working on a lot of stuff, I struggled to get my podcasts out. <laughs> yeah, for for sure, it's definitely a. It, you know, I, I think both of us are, are lucky in the sense that now it, it pretty much is our full time focus. And so we are right. able to allocate that those that time and that resources, but we're really only able to allocate that time and resources through the support of advertising, sponsorship partners, things right. like that. Um, and that so means for a listeners. Lot, <laughs> yes. And you can't get that unless you have those listeners, unless you start somewhere, right. unless you start building that community like you were talking about. And so I think it's something like 90% of all podcasts never make it past 10 episodes. I've heard the same thing. And um, by the way, there was just, um, I listened to a local, guys who used to be the rock and roll station DJs in the morning, kind of the morning zoo thing that Doonrear always talks about. Drew and Mike are the number one podcasters in Michigan. I listen to their podcast. I drove to work listening to them for many years. Then they got old, older, I should say, and they they lost. They, they were the number one in the Detroit area. They have a podcast, and they were just they were reading off about. <laughs> they can say this because they're podcasters. You can't do it if you're on the radio. They were talking about some of the stats, and they said the dumb money's coming out of this because we saw every celebrity get a podcast all of a sudden and they don't have time. They have other stuff going on and they aren't content creators. And I will say also they're used to the idea that I'm the star. I'm the star of the show. If you're interviewing somebody and they and you think I'm the star of the show. So the interview with you, Blythe is secondary. Eh, that's not necessarily going to make anybody happy. It's not, it's not fun to listen to. Yeah, definitely. Especially if you over the last few years, with just sort of the the changing and sort of the I guess the the mainstream media and how a lot of these reporters and and broadcasters think they are the star of the show and that people will follow them for you know their opinions and it's like well maybe to an extent. But you're still the the story is about the guest that's coming on the show, not necessarily about you. Yeah, I think I just try and keep that in mind because I have a big mouth. But I always remind myself that, you know, when somebody says, oh, I really like your podcast. I said, it's really my ability to find good people to come on my podcast. And early on, I was asking friends to come on my podcast. You were, you were on my podcast very early. And I remember it was still, still using not Squadcast like I use now, not like you use. But I was using, I think, Ringer. And I remember I was having, we were having all these technical problems and you said, you had worked in TV and you said, oh, trust me, this happens every day in TV. And I was like, oh, I'm so embarrassed. But it was in the beginning, how do I get anyone to do this? But I was lucky. I don't want to say lucky. I wrote a million articles as you did. I already had a little bit of a following before I went on the podcast and I think that can't be underestimated to be able to say, yes, I brought some people with me to the forum. This episode is brought to you by SPI Logistics, the premier freight agent and logistics network in North America. Are you currently building your freight brokerage's book of business and feel that your capabilities are being limited due to lack of support and access to adequate technology? At SPI Logistics, we have the technology, the systems, and the back office support to help you succeed. 
If you're looking to take control of your financial future and build your own business with the backing of one of the most successful logistics firms in North America, visit SPI3PL.com to learn more. And so you 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 spent some time, you know, writing, of course, not some time. You spent a lot of time writing. Way too much and, time. <laughs> <laughs> and then you start building up your 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 following on different social media channels. What now now as you start the podcast, what sort of goes into your editorial and I guess distribution strategies? How are you I guess picking the right guests to have on the show because that that's a that's a challenging yeah. thing for me to to do. So I would love to be able to hear I, an experience. Uh, opinion. Well, I I did not know the right thing to do in the beginning. Mm-hmm. After a while, I started realizing I, I, LinkedIn is your best friend on this because I can look and see um, how big the company is. So I try not to talk to anybody when they're brand new because they're going to learn so much, and good, there's also a good chance they're going to go out of business. So I also think um, um, I want to talk to companies that are established that can say, here's what we do, here's how we do it. So I'm looking somewhat for established companies, but I also will say, if I see somebody doing really cool technology that I don't know anyone else doing, or I I want them on my podcast. I want to do on my podcast, you were just on, I've referenced it many times since you talked about connecting the digital dots. And I was like, we were t- both talking about um, uh, lead coverage and Kara Brown. And I mentioned it when I talked to her that you said most companies don't connect their digital dots. So I, that was something I wasn't hearing from anyone else. And I thought, yeah, I don't care how big your company is. You have a great idea. But um, anyways, as far as how I pick, I pick based on is it is it something I haven't talked about yet that's interesting uh, is it a big company? Of course, if somebody from Maersk wants to be on your podcast, you're like, of course. So the, one of the largest companies in the world, they're going to have some cool stuff to say. Um, but so is the small guy who, uh, who's who got a brand new tech that no one's ever heard of. And you go, I would like to talk. You get them when they're, when they're brand new and they'll still talk to you. Five years later, they might not take your call. <laughs> well, hopefully they they will take your call if you were one of the first right. people exactly. you know, to, you to offer them me. that platform. Right. So so how do you so so I think, you know, for folks who, who create content that you kind of eventually, especially in, in podcasting, you kind of get to the this fork in the road. And I, I faced it when I was in sports where either you're gonna cover the evergreen topics or you're gonna cover the breaking news. It's very difficult to do both because I think you get addicted mm. to those breaking news numbers. But it, to me, breaking news numbers just don't have the shelf life of <laughs> evergreen conversations. You know, I, I want to be able to have a discussion that is still applicable. You know, six months from now, how do you sort of, uh, you know, determine uh, what you're going to cover? That it, is it either news or is it you know more evergreen or is it kind of both? I I like. I like the evergreen. And what you mean by that evergreen is I didn't do any, there's not one podcast I did called COVID. And people would say, I would like to come on your podcast and talk about COVID. I was like, um, call Freight Waves. They have a whole podcast about COVID. And God bless them. They can, they've got 15 podcasts. They're always starting a new one, ending an old one, right? And that's a good fit. They are a news among other things, they're a news company. I like the idea of stories. I think it's, I think we all connect with stories. It's not necessarily a marketing strategy, but boy, it helps you when you go, I really, I talked to Blythe and I love her story. I love her expertise. And 
I want to work with her. And we are irrational beings. When I, when I uh, like your story and I believe you can solve my problem because the way you described my problem, it's a win. So to answer your question, I am much more about the, the long-term, the evergreen. I just, I like it better. What about, you know, from, from the lens of, you know, distribution where all of these, you know, social media has been around for a decade, but it feels like there's new strategies, there's new tools, there's all kinds of, you know, new platforms. Um, how do you choose where to focus is to, to get the message out about the podcast? Yes, I've done a horrible job on some of this. So um, <laughs> right now I don't have a TikTok and I, you know, if I was to look up over at Paul at Freight Caviar, he's got a great great TikTok. I'm not on TikTok. I don't have Instagram yet. I will. I'll get, I'll probably get to Instagram. I don't know about TikTok, but I have not gone that way. And I got to tell you, this is a weird thing. It, it kind of blew my mind and might, might not blow yours because you're, you're more focused on the social media. But um, I heard a, I heard Pat Flynn, who's kind of an influencer in the space. I think it was him say, yeah, if you start a podcast, you should also think that you're going to, that's, that'll be the foundation for your business. The YouTube videos are going to be a big part of it. So is the, uh, the content strategy for social media and a newsletter. And I was like, and so <laughs> I was like, well, that's, so you could look right now and say, I do the podcast. And the reason I do the podcast is so I can have a whole bunch of video clips. Mm. And some people will listen to the podcast itself. Others are just going to watch the five minute video clip. And so things have changed. I did not think anything about this when I started the podcast. I, Blythe, when I did the first few first few years of podcast, there was no video. And I would be in a sweatshirt. I didn't shave. <laughs> I was going to the gym or going for a walk. Now with the video, you're like, oh, I have to worry about my background. I got to still fix fix my background. That is a challenge. And also, it's even if I get it right, I still have guests who aren't getting it right. So... But anyway, getting back to it, video changed everything. And I do think how you distribute it is really big. And I've not done as good a job this year. I, I will improve on some of that stuff. I, I, I'm in the same boat as you. I, it, it feels like there's so many different components and you have to almost know that platform, not almost, you pretty much have to know yes. that platform inside and out before you even start creating content there. And so yes. I think that, that that's where I, I struggle with, especially when it comes to YouTube because I do want to capitalize on, you know, the the short form video with YouTube Shorts to the long form video. I think there's a lot of promise there and but it there also has to there's a, a time and a bandwidth issue that goes on with making a podcast. I mean, my god, I was just talking to before we started recording that I, you know, I'm I'm talking to six people today and it's <laughs> oh you got to prep for all of them. You got to edit all of them. And then you have to add that additional layer of video onto it. I think video is great for recording, but I haven't cracked the the, the YouTube nut yet. And that I, is, I gotta tell it, you, it's a struggle. I got to tell you, if you go on YouTube right now, you'll see um, our buddy Ramel Watley, mm -hmm. uh, Truck and Hustle podcast. I think he has over 100,000 subscribers on YouTube. He's done a fantastic job on video. And by the way, 
I create a lot of videos. We put them up on YouTube, but we haven't cracked the SEO and the thumbnails. And and when I say cracked, it's basically focused and getting the right people on. And I'm actually doing that because I start to realize that's what some of my sponsors want. It's what my audience wants. And I throw this back out there, like every one of my podcasts and every one of your podcasts, you have to make your audience happy. You have to bring them something that hopefully they get value from. And it's not entertainment. They want to learn something about the business. And then your sponsors, they are all looking, your advertisers are all looking for favorable attention. And that's why I always say it's a weird juggling act. You can't go full infomercial on it and go, yes, I just did a 30-minute advertisement and my audience hates it, but that's okay because my advertiser likes it. And you said this to me years ago about news stations. I know you've worked in the news before that watch local news. They have sold their soul to advertisers in some cases. Yes. And, and I, even like a local radio too, they, they, it, it's all, it's all driven by the advertiser model, which is really, which on the opposite end, it makes it really interesting to see some of these other platforms, you know, like a Substack or um, even like the, the, there's a new show that I watch called Breaking Points. They're completely independently yeah. funded, yeah, listener funded. By the and way, I think that's fascinating. I, I think that that could be a move in, in my future is completely being listener funded. It's not the right choice right now because I feel like I'm still building. Right. But what are your thoughts on sort of that independent listener route? I I, I definitely, I, I respect that. I like that. I don't think it's for me. And the reason I think this is, I th- think my, um, I, I really like the idea of, of helping companies kind of craft their message and getting it out there. Um that's, but I, I don't think one has to preclude the other. I also, uh, I look at Jordan Peterson. I just saw this, whether you like him or not, he's built this fantastic media empire, books and video, and he has a Patreon. Like the dude is making hundreds of mil- hundreds of thousands of dollars a month and he has a Patreon. Hey, please support my channel. You're like, Oh, okay. Good for you, man. Like an extra 30 grand is going to (laughs) help. I mean, yeah, I guess it's just more of, you know, having different lines in the water and, you know, the the different revenue streams maybe in case, you know, especially in his, in his case where he could get shut down, I think. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Anybody political can. Um, I was at my mom's house and my mom had Drew Barrymore show on and I've always liked Drew Barrymore and Drew Barrymore was like, oh my God, I had such a great weekend, blah, blah, blah. I had some friends over. And um, we decided we we're going to play some games. And I just bought this new game. And uh, all of a sudden, the back of her background turns to this game. And it turns into this infomercial with Drew Barrymore talking about <laughs> this game that she loved. But it, it felt like, Drew, you would have just been so much better off saying, hey, I got a great new advertiser. As opposed to like taking us through this fraud, like I hate that, <laughs> and I feel like that's so stupid. I and we all are, we all have sponsors, we have those people, and I always say everybody is on my podcast, whether they're paid sponsor or not. I want them to get business. I want mm-hmm. they took time to help me with my content. My audience wanted to learn something from them. I want them to show up good. You probably get this too. Like everyone's like. You're not going to ask any like gotcha questions. You're like, why would I? <laughs> like, what's yeah. in it for me? <laughs> like, not an investigative reporter. I'm not <laughs> right. 
and that's a, I I I actually I, I tweeted this out recently because a, a PR rep who shall go unnamed um, wanted me to send over a very detailed list of questions mm-hmm. for the guest that was coming on their client that was coming on my show, and I said no I'm you know here's a brief overview so right. I didn't say outright no I just said here's an overview of the discussion and she said okay great can you send over the specific questions you're going to be asking? And I was like, this is not a dissertation. It's a conversation. And I think that that's where most folks get Kevin, it wrong is they treat it like breaking news. They don't treat it like a conversation. You know, let me throw this out there to you. And perhaps you've seen the same thing I did. When I was a blogger, I was I was still the general manager and COO of a logistics company. And I would put that in the bottom. I said, you know, this is the way we do it, blah, blah, blah. I, I would kind of say I am the general manager, COO of a logistics company. So I'm... I, I was not trying to imply that I'm a neutral third party. And then I started doing a lot of webinars on how to select a 3PL. Was I honest and open about that? Yes. But I did also say, I manage a 3PL. I'm So I'm in this business. Now, I did get some work that way. But um, what I felt happen a little bit in blogging is as soon as marketing heard there's a blog, can we get part of that? And then they started saying, Hey, rather than that title, how about this title? And I use the term fluff and stuff. And I heard that from my friend Jody over at DAT. And she said, fluff and stuff is what, what some marketers do. And all of a sudden it ends going from something that it felt authentic and real to this jargon filled title. And then, hey, rather than say this, how about you say this? And you're like, all of a sudden it turns it salesy. The same thing I feel can happen to podcasts. You have sponsors, you have advertisers, but really coming on super salesy, super strong doesn't help you. Mm-hmm. I've said, I say it this way, you're already on the date. You don't, it's like you're here, you're here. You don't need to sell. And I've said this to you before we hit record. If, if, if at the end of my podcast, the guest my audience knows, likes, and trusts my guests, relates to them on some level. That's a huge win. If they also say, I see that person as the solution to the problem that I have, that's just win. That's all win. And if and and so I this is this is the medium that your personality can come through, your story can come through, and we connect with that. So how do you, so when you, you get a guest on that, that, that comes on the show and they maybe get a little too salesy, how do you sort of navigate the, the, I guess the, the, the complexity of that conversation? Yeah, I, I've, I, I always say that what, what, how, how to make a bad podcast and I've made plenty of bad podcasts, how to make a bad podcast is to be salesy, to be, use a whole bunch of tech jargon, like everybody understands it, um, to be monotone, right? Mm-hmm. Um, those things are what, and by the way, the monotone thing, I kind of feel like we all match the host's energy. So I've done podcasts where some like founders like, I can do it at seven o'clock at night. And I was like, yeah, you might be able to, but I will be, I will be low energy <laughs> and then you'll match my energy and it'll suck. So anyway, how do I manage when somebody's overly salesy? I don't know that I necessarily do, but I always say, if it's a conversation, like we're having now, I don't ever feel like the need to say, yeah, and by the way, Blythe, uh, the logistics of logistics, because whatever I say after that, people go, oh, that guy's, I don't like that guy. He's selling. Mm-hmm. We, in the West, that's like 
fingernails on a chalkboard. When you hear somebody start selling, your 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 defenses go up. You're like, you're the door to door guys who would say, "So what's your name, Blythe? Oh, Blythe, that's great. I love that name. That's my mom's name or whatever." And then and then when they say something like, "Blythe, can you see how this might be of value to you and your family?" You go, "Get out!" Like we hate that. <laughs> <laughs> and so. I, I think we're just so, as Americans, we're so conditioned to seeing commercials with everything that we almost kind of ignore them. So I think, you know, when folks come on and they, you know, to your point, and they're too salesy, you're just immediately going to right. to turn, tune out the conversation, maybe switch to the show. So it's in the guest's best interest to not right. be so pushy in, you know, just a traditional conversation setting. I think what's also interesting, and I'm sure you have the same experience, when you have a guest who comes on, and there's a lot of founders, a lot of executives, innovators who are very humble, and they have failed more times than they've succeeded, and they're happy to share those failures. And you go, oh, this guy's real. I, before he was on my podcast, I just thought, this is the king of the universe, mm -hmm. and he's made all this money, or she's made all this money. And then you get to talking to him, and they're like, oh, this, I, oh, that company went out of business. I got fired. This happened. This happened. And you go, oh, I, I relate. We all can relate to this. What you can't relate to is the guy or the gal who, you know, at 19, I started a company and I never looked back and I've, I've killed it. Um, but humility goes a long way. Being real goes a long way. I don't care how much, how well you've done in your business. You know, we all go home to challenges at home, whatever they might be. And uh, if you've got teenagers, you're never the boss. <laughs> 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 Which my parents would definitely have agreed, you know, all those years ago when I was a teenager. Yep. Now, Joe, do you do you have um, a, a few favorite conversations that you've ever ever had? Oh my God, I've really had I, I I've had so many, and I'm I'm not just saying this because I'm on your show. I've referenced connecting the digital dots, which I had a conversation with you I don't know, a few months ago. I loved that. Um, recent ones, I haven't even published them yet. I did an interview with uh, Ashley Thomas. She's a She's driver recruiting, and they're making a movie about her life. She was a oh cool yeah. You should have to have her on your podcast. Um, she had this horrible, horrible uh, upbringing when she was young. I'll let her tell that story. She was great on my podcast just because she came from nowhere and made mm -hmm. a really successful company. I just talked to Paul Jarrett. Um, He's the founder of uh, Bulu Group. Him and his wife out in Lincoln, Nebraska. And it's funny when I started talking to him, he said. I'm a proud product of the Shamrock Trailer Park in Lincoln, Nebraska. And he has killed it. Him and his wife have really done a great job over there. So those are just, I haven't even published those ones yet. But I have, um, I loved interviewing Orrin Zeslansky from Flock Freight. I've interviewed Andrew um, and Michael um, from Leto from Emerge. I mean, those guys, yes. that they have kind of revolutionized this industry. I interviewed Doug Wagner, CEO of, um, and by the way, when you're interviewing Doug Wagner, he's the CEO over at Echo Global Logistics. I was like intimidated. Like this guy's, he grew a company from 60 million to 4.5 billion in sales in 16 years, but he is humble and thoughtful. I've never had too much of anybody treat me anything less than cordially and like a friend. So I feel 
this is the coolest part. I've said this before. I would do my podcast if no one listened because I have interviewed 350 people who many have become good friends. And that's, I think that that is unique to podcasting where you can, because you're, you're sitting in front of a, you know, a camera, of course, but you're having these really heartfelt conversations about someone's life and, right. you know, what got them to the place that they are today. And so that that's an intimate conversation. Right. And it's also, I think podcasting itself is just such an intimate experience because you're in someone's ear, right. you're in someone's ear while they're, they're driving to work, while they're taking their kids to, to school, while you're cleaning the house. And that's just unique to that medium. I think there's also another aspect of it is you do podcasts all the time. So do I, so you kind of get used to doing them. But for a lot of people, even though even if they're very successful in their business, they don't get, they don't do a lot of them, or maybe they're introverted. They don't even feel that comfortable doing it. When you're kind of guiding them through, and at the end when they go, "Oh, I think I came off really good," that that is a really uh, you can almost not have done a bigger favor to somebody. <laughs> and um, and I think people really appreciate, like, "Oh my God, Blythe made me sound like I'm really smart," <laughs> and. But when you're talking to people about the stuff they are expert in, they are really smart. And I think people are so used to being, remember we all, we learned public speaking in elementary school, read this book and then stand up in front of the class and talk, talk about it. And you're like, all right, well, I'm going to try and read some of the book and then I'm going to try and wing it. <laughs> and, and I will get over the embarrassment of not knowing. Well, we don't have to do that in our business lives because we are hopefully pretty much expert in the stuff we do. And I think too, you know, you, you hit the nail on the head for for a lot of these different conversations because it's it, it we're almost the 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 people who are passing the alley oop to yeah. the, the founders <laughs> right. and the people who can dunk the who can dunk it into the basket. That right. that's you know that I think that's the goal of any good podcast host. So so for companies who, you know, maybe they started up a podcast, you know, in in 2020 and maybe they let it get a little dormant or they're thinking about starting a podcast, what I guess what would be some some tips that you would give to folks who are just, you know, interested in in dipping their toe in the podcast water? Yeah, I think um I I think it's a great way to meet people again again. I think it's a great way to build relationships and um you know a lot of my sponsors, I suspect some of your sponsors and advertisers come because they were on your podcast and they like the experience. So they get to know you and go, oh, I'd like to work with Blythe. I'd like to work with Joe. So that is a great way to build relationships. I would, as far as my advice on it, I think you have to kind of experiment and figure out what actually works because um, every once in a while I listen to some podcasts that I go, oh, they don't have the production quality right. They didn't want to spend on that. And maybe the host, um, you got to do a lot of these for you're any good. You came from a background in broadcasting, so you're good at it. I, I feel like you said this to me about when I first started my podcast. I said, I can't listen. And you go, oh, yeah, I was that way when I was on the, on the sports, on TV. Couldn't watch, couldn't listen. I felt that way for months. Like, And I remember somebody said, I really like your podcast. And I was like... Shut up. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) So it takes time to get um, proficient. So you have to kind of get past that. And I would also say you really need to figure out what the right topic is. Because if your goal is, we're a logistics company, we're just going to interview shippers. 
um, you better figure out an angle that makes sense for them because they're like, well, what's in it for me? Why should I go on your podcast, right? And um, also, you just you have to watch it becoming salesy because that's the nature of it. It comes from marketing. It comes from, and I'm not, I'm I'm a sales guy. We're all salespeople, but we have to just tone it down in that. And um, I would also say this. I'll throw this out there. Who knows what the future brings? But I do think we're going to end up with more cooperation and more overlap in how these work because it makes sense. Because not everybody should have to have a podcast. I mean, if you want one and it's it's working, great, but you shouldn't have to have one just to speak. Just like blogs. When I was doing website development, everyone would say, yeah, we want to have a blog. And I would always say, why don't we hold off until you uh, actually give me all the content for the website? Because you don't want to write that. Yet you think you want to blog once a week. <laughs> you know how you know, torture that is. Because <laughs> it's really the, the the time dedication to it. You know, and, and I've, I've kind of come around on this because for a while I was trying to teach everybody about the value of podcasting mm-hmm. and that you should start one. And it's, you know, a, a great way to meet your customers. It's a great way to, to interview your customers and, you know, develop that product roadmap and, you know, yada, 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 just singing the praises of podcasting, which I, I still sing today. But it is very challenging to find a host that is a founder that is can be the voice of your company because it, you don't want them to leave and then right. the voice of your company leaves. Right. And so being able to have someone that has the time and the dedication and the talent in order to dedicate to a craft that they are not right. going to be good at at first, they're going to have to figure out a lot right. of things along the way. And are you still going to do it after all of those challenges? Right. And by the way, when, before just before COVID, I was traveling some and I remember having to come home on Friday and do a podcast or two and just be like, I've just got, I'm jet lagged and just like, I don't want to do it. And that's the nature of being a founder. So like finding the time or finding someone, there's some challenges. That's why I think there's going to be more um, cooperation where you're like, maybe you're working with a number of brands and I'm working with some brands and and just because it makes sense. So what does a, a typical week look like for you? So, um, I, I publish three podcasts a week, Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. So that is always got my attention. And then I'm always trying to create more content. So I spend a lot of time on LinkedIn, kind of looking at people. Um, um, now I've been asking lately on my podcast. Um, I like to interview smart, interesting people like you, Blythe. Who else should I interview? So that's kind of got me networking with a lot of people, which is fun. Um, and get to meet people I might not otherwise have met. But I do spend a lot of time on LinkedIn, a lot of time um, checking my podcasts. Um, I do spend some time trying to reach out to my existing sponsors and advertisers and kind of reaching out to other ones. I'm trying to spend all day Tuesday doing that. I've never really focused that much on that. But as I realized, I might want to hire like full-time video people. I'm like, okay, somebody's going to pay for Right. Unless somebody drops. <laughs> Unless I win the lottery, I guess I better go get some more sponsors, more advertising. Treat this like a business. By the way, what I did for a long time is I put my head down and said, I'm going to get really good at this. And that's it. I'll get sponsors as they come. But I didn't have a a sales effort. And um, now now I'm doing more of that. So... So as you're as you're developing your 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 sales effort, it, what about you know for for the companies who, 
you know, maybe starting a podcast is probably not right for them. So they would rather just invest in a podcast that is already, you know, you don't have to worry about any of those warning signs that that we just kind of laid out. So what advice would you give, I guess, maybe to companies who would want to become a sponsor of, say, the the logistics? Well, like I have sponsors and they come on my podcast like once a quarter and I interview somebody from the company and we talk about what they do and how they do it. And once a quarter, hopefully doesn't um, feel like it's an infomercial at that point. Mm-hmm. Um, I also am careful about sponsors. I don't want to, I don't ever want to have to bring a sponsor on that I feel doesn't bring something new to the party, right? And um, I listen to other podcasts and every once in a while you hear the advertiser now, this is not a logistics thing. This is often separate from logistics. And you go, I would never have that as a sponsor. Just because it like, mm. <laughs> if you listen to a lot of sponsorships, it's like they've got the whole network has the same sponsor. So um, I would say, getting back to answer your question, I would say collaborate with some of the, if you're a company that doesn't want to have your own podcast, I think there's some real value. There is uh, social proof by being on your podcast or being on my podcast that you're, you're there, right? Um, and that's not just ours, the Freight Waves and uh, Chris Jolly and Ramel, we mentioned, so many others. Um, I would say it makes sense because they're, they're going to have an audience, they're going to have the expertise, they're going to have the production, and um, you don't want to have to do that. Now, and it, I, wrong way to say it. If you choose not to do that, then go ahead. You can still do lots of podcasts with all the people I just mentioned and not have to invest. Um, And I think the biggest worry you already brought it up is I hired a person to do the podcast and then they left. And now what? (laughs) And, and too, I, as far as like the production quality too, because I think for a, a, especially, you know, as someone that, that worked in radio for years, it was so easy just to show up and just be a part of the show. But when you have to start doing it yourself, and the only reason I started doing it myself was because I wanted more airtime on the radio and they wouldn't give it to me the way I wanted it. (laughs) And so I was like, well, I'll just start doing my own thing. And I started doing my own thing. I was like, wow, this is actually pretty pretty difficult. You got to get all the equipment. You got to, you know, make sure that you're tech savvy. Right. You got to get it, uh, the, the produ- not just the show planning, but the equipment, the recording, the editing, the uploading, right. the distribute. It's so much to it. So to, to your point, it really is, you know, th- there is a, a, a full workload of items that you may not know that you realize. So you can still start small and, and, and enter the game with, you know, just a a really cheap microphone and, you know, an iPhone, right. you can get started that way, of course, but having that dedication to improve those little aspects of all of those different important parts of podcasting is really important to continuously approve, improve on. Cause otherwise people aren't going to stick with you for very yeah, long. I've, I've, um, I've noticed, and it's kind of shocking, bad audio quality. And by the way, I have also launched stuff with poor audio quality, usually because of a bad connection with somebody, because I'm doing remote like this today. Um, It sucks. And it's, Mm -hmm. you don't think it matters until you're listening to good podcasts and you switch to one and you go, what's going on over there? Why am I hearing all this noise? So there is, there's some value in, in partnering up with existing players who have an audience, the production quality is there. Um, and it just works better. We're seeing that. 
Um, we're, that's why people come to come to me. And by the way, I should also say this. I don't edit anything myself. I have um, Natalie who works with me. She is actually works with one of my sponsors, Lean Solutions Group. And it's just so much easier for me not to have to do the editing because it's hard enough to get three podcasts a week out. Oh God. I, yeah. You're, I only do two a week. And so you're already like a machine, like putting well, yeah, three episodes out a week. That, because... You can thank Natalie because I, I, you, you do the actual <laughs> touching of the audio file. I can't fix that. Well, I, I used to. So I, it was important for me, especially early know on, did, yeah. to, to know how to do it because I, in case of an mm-hmm. emergency or even, you know, t- in, in last minute situations where there is something that I really want to cover and I want to get it out, you know, sooner than my podcast editor will be able to mm-hmm. tackle it. He is typically pretty good at tackling editing shows within 48 hours of recording them. But sometimes it's just, it's immediate. I need to get it out like right. today. So I have, I do, you know, I'm, what's the famous line? Like I know enough to be dangerous, <laughs> but I, I trust the, that, that I think that that's the biggest thing is sort of a founder as a podcaster is being able to trust that someone else can do that for you. And I think that that's a big step for every business owner that they have to make. And that's essentially what you're doing as yeah. a podcaster. You're running yeah. a business and you have to be able to trust other people to to care as much yeah, as you and do. I'll throw this out there. We talked a little bit about YouTube. I feel like we see this convergence between YouTube and podcasting. So all of us who started as podcasters like myself, slowly but surely creating more and more video clips. And I feel like um, when I look at big companies in our space, some of, some of whom are my sponsors, many of them haven't invested in YouTube yet. But I feel like when it happens, we're going to find every billion dollar company is going to basically have their own network on YouTube. And so I feel like we're still, it's still early as much as I watch YouTube more than I watch anything else. Um, But we're still early in all this. Um, And I think what we need to start thinking of the podcast is not just audio. Some people will listen to the podcast while working out or going for a walk or going to the grocery store, but there's other people are going to watch video stuff online and we're going to get more and more sophisticated there. I, I echo that. YouTube is such an integral part of just my viewing habits every day. And if a podcast has a has a video option, I will watch that. Even if it's just two, you know, like like we're doing here, two talking heads. Even if it's just that, I I'd like to see people's faces and their mannerisms when they're yeah. speaking. And by the way, a friend of mine pointed this out to me not so long ago. He said, "Your videos, no one will watch fifty minutes of an interview." on YouTube. I said, why not? And he goes, there's, there's only one camera angle for each face. He says, with the stuff we watch has multiple camera angles and it cuts every second. And he goes, it's visual. And he goes, you can watch a five minute or a 10 minute stuff video if you're interested in the topic. He said, but you won't watch an hour. And I was like, hmm. interesting. So Joe Rogan's a perfect example. He got a little more production quality now. But before that, it's hard to watch unless you're cleaning the house and it's in the background. Yeah, it, it it's one of those things where it's you want to do it not just for the sake of doing it, but you also want to do it right. And I think that that's kind of where my conflict is with YouTube is that, yeah, I, I have uploaded videos that are just kind of like this, two, two talking heads for that are, that are speaking for an hour. Um, what I like to make 
you know, more YouTube friendly videos, of course. Um, but it's also a bandwidth issue and it's also a resources <laughs> issue. So how do we get that next sponsorship in order to, to sponsor the YouTube to, to, you know, to sponsor the newsletter? Because then that helps creators like us, you know, be able to justify that extra time to be able to hire someone to handle, you know, the, the editing portions of it or the uploading portions of it. And you do the things that you do best and then you hire other people that that can do the things that that they do best do you wish there was a central place to pull in all of your social media posts recruit employees and give potential customers a glimpse into how you operate your business well all of this should already be on your website but too often we hand that responsibility of building our online home off to a cousin a neighbor's kid down the street or a stranger across the world Digital Dispatch believes in building a better website at a fraction of the cost that those big-time marketing agencies would charge. Because we've spent years on those digital front lines, our experienced team focuses on the modern web technologies to bring in all of the places you're already active online, show off those customer success stories, and measure the ROI of it all in one place. With managed website plans starting at $90 a month, head on over to digitaldispatch.io to see how we can build your digital ecosystem on a strong foundation. We've got explainer videos right on the website and the ability to book a demo immediately. Find it all over at digitaldispatch.io. Now, now Joe, which which I guess uh, podcasts or YouTube channels or maybe both are bring you regular inspiration that that you find yourself watching and listening well, to. I do like Drew and Mike. They're uh, low, they're in Michigan, but so many people from Michigan spread out like everywhere else. So they were always on the radio. Uh, uh, so I listen to them. They're on four days a week, five days a week. So I like them, and I tr- I listen to them just before I'm going to bed. I uh, sometimes fall asleep listening. Um, that's kind of gives me some Detroit flavor stuff, right? Because I don't listen to the radio. Um, I watch Peter Zion. That's Z-E-I-H-A-N. He is a geopolitical guy. I have his book right here. Oh, right in back. I love his book. So his book. <laughs> the End of the World is yep, Just the Beginning. The End of the World is Just the Beginning is mind uh, expanding. I mean, I can't believe how good that book is. Uh Yesterday, I talked to a guy um, from the nearshoring company, nearshore company, and we talked about that at great length. Um, but basically, Peter Zion is a geopolitical guy. He has a YouTube channel. Every day at lunch, I, w- I watch him wherever he's at in the world, and he's in New Zealand today. And it's like a three-minute video. He's talked about TikTok today. And he talked about how TikTok is going to be banned and it should be banned. And that was interesting to me because he's usually pretty much a laissez-faire, laissez-faire, yeah, laissez-faire, laissez-faire, yeah, guy. He's even said that um, better than I did on the on the YouTube. But he did like a three-minute video. But he talks a lot about the changing um, trade patterns. So we're going to do less with China. Us supply chain guys need to know that. We're going to do more with Latin America. We need to know that. Um, so I love Peter Zion. I love um, – um, I've every once in a while watched Joe Rogan. And by the way, I don't, ever look, I don't ever look at him as like a political guy at all. He's just a guy. And by the way, I, I know people – His guests are phenomenal. He also does – he would always say, I'm just a dumbass comedian who smokes dope. I, I don't know. But I, I, by the way, he always says, I was going to vote for Bernie Sanders. 
I'm not necessarily, I would not vote for Bernie Sanders. He's not my guy. But I guess I don't care because he's just such a regular guy. But he became kind of a lightning rod. But I think anyone who thinks he's real political isn't watching. Um, so I've enjoyed, um, not always, I've Agreed. enjoyed a lot of his stuff. Um, who else? I, I like Megan Kelly's got a podcast I listen to sometimes. Again, she's more of a middle of the road news person, mm-hmm. which I like. Um, you mentioned uh, that w- w- Crystal and Sagar, they, they, uh, yes, that I is love them. Breaking, breaking points. points. They have a, a, he's from the right, she's from the left. I like that. I like, you know what I always say is, I want politics and news to be boring again. It used to just be boring, and I just waited, hurry up, get to the sports and weather. <laughs> like, I want it back in that box. <laughs> and that's unfortunately, I don't think it's ever going to be back in that box because you, you see, you, you know, you just mentioned Megyn Kelly. Like, it, it, you see some of these bigger name broadcasters. John Stewart is another one that have left their traditional roles and, and started up their I, own shows. I will say, I've listened to Bill Maher. I've don't, uh, I've enjoyed his stuff. He's a funny comedian. And John Stewart, of course, you mentioned. So I, I love watching some of these short clips from some of these guys. And I don't always listen to their podcasts. Some I listen to the podcast. But sometimes it's just, it's really easy to commit to a 10-minute video online where you're like, that's John Stewart. He's funny. That's Bill Maher. He's funny. That's Joe Rogan. I like this guest. And then before you know it, you've watched seven of their right. clips from the same right, right, show, right. and there, and then it kind of goes against the grain of the the argument that the gentleman was making earlier that no one's going to sit and watch a fifty minute interview. Well, they'll they might watch you know yes, five clips yes, in a row, and that's pretty yes, close to fifty yes. minutes. I I think I think there's um, there's so much so much great content out there. I've also I, I was talking to Ramel Watley, um, and I said I love my first million podcast because. Yes, that's and, a great show. So I've listened to that one a lot. Um, I'm trying to think who else I listen to. Um, what about in the industry? I, I, anybody in in logistics that's making? Oh, great I listen content? to your stuff every once in a while. I've I've listened to Ramel. Oh, um, I I try and like so when you're coming on my podcast, I listen. Um, Ramel Watley's got a different audience than I do, but it's interesting um, to listen because I I say this more on my podcast now. This whole industry talks about tech and this, that, the other thing, but it's built on the back of truck drivers and warehouse workers and dock workers, and no one wants to do that job. We have to make those jobs better. And so um, I list, I like listening to Ramel's because it feels like it's very much ground level, and he's got a huge audience. He's done really well over there. And he's, <laughs> I met him and his wife at Manifest. Well, I was talking to you, I think, when he walked up. Yeah, well, I only saw him in passing because he is one of those like bucket list yeah, people have that I have really. Podcast. I've had him on the show a couple times, but it, it just he it almost feels like he's not getting enough attention that yeah. he deserves because he is doing it on just an upper echelon level. He, if for folks who, who may not know, Ramel um, is the founder and CEO of Truck and Hustle, and he has an amazing content that comes out as, right. as you were just talking about, you know, from folks who are he in creates, the trenches. He's got video, video angles, uh, different cameras. Like I was yes. like, hallelujah. He travels with a video crew to all his interviews. All his interviews and, are live. He doesn't do them remote. Like, yes, I will do a and he'll fly in to the the company location and do the interview on site. And I just think that that is such a a a I don't know that anybody else in our industry or really just podcasters in general that are doing that at that level. So so shout out to him for for really setting the yes, standard yes. of where and making the rest of us feel like oh crap we're not working <laughs> right. hard enough. I, I I always say though is there's just there's 
when I start listening to him, I realize he's talking to the guy who who started with one truck and bought two or three. I typically haven't talked to those guys in my podcast, not because they're not important. I just, that was not where I started. I kind of always wanted to talk about freight tech, but um, I, I do, I have had drivers on my podcast and I do like having people who are closer to the ground who give you the reality. And when I went to manifest, I love being at manifest because I talked to all sorts of people and um, that's a little shot of reality because I get the sense, Oh, everything's working out this way in the, in our business. Well, then you talk to shippers and they're saying, no, not exactly. We do this manually, we do that. Oh, doesn't AI do that? <laughs> doesn't machine learning somehow do that? I don't know how. Isn't an API or something, maybe? <laughs> you mention all of those phrases to a truck driver and you'll probably get hit over the head with a chair because <laughs> they don't want any of that, you know, sort of, you know, big government, uh, privacy concerns, ELDs. They don't want any of, of, yeah. of that. and. They just want to be able to to do their job skillfully, like like they've right. done for so many years, and it's important to hear those stories too. Yeah, and too. I will say I do like p- listening to other podcasts out there, but God, when you publish three a week, that means I'm listening to mine three hours a week. Plus, I'm doing th- <laughs> three or four. In- You're <laughs> sick of logistics by yeah, that point. And, and, and what else? I also p- feel this way sometimes is um, I never want to copy um, because. Um, and I've listened to your podcast. I'm not you. I can't be you. I'm not going to try to. Same with Dooner. I listened to t- Tim Dooner's podcast. And I remember thinking, whoops, I'm sorry. That's that's an amateur mistake. Oh, you're good. <laughs> um, I, I listened to that. We are a little yeah, over. I listened, so. <laughs> to, um, I listened to these podcasts and go, yeah, okay, listen to it. But don't, don't take it to heart. Don't make – don't all of a sudden – I can only be the second best Blythe Broomleaf. That's the problem. Stop. No, but I guess if I start copying you, I'm never going to be you. Oh, true, true. So you kind of have to play your own game. Yes. And I think that that's so important for creators to remember because it really is easy to see. And I fell into this trap when I I was working in sports broadcasting is that I saw what other companies were doing and they were getting all this attention and accolades. And it's tough to not want to do those things in order to get those same accolades. So I was very – intentional about when I started this show about the things I would talk about, the format I would have. And I think you still have to constantly remind yourself when you see other podcasters, you know, maybe getting a little bit more, you know, attention, whether it's in this industry or outside of this industry, you really have to remind yourself of that. And I, I, I think, you know, obviously you are sort of, I think you and Ramel are really at the top of the well, podcasting thank game you. in thank, this Thank space. you for saying that, but I, I really do have to remind myself of this is it's, it's ultimately can't be judged that easily. Can't just judge it by downloads because, because mm-hmm. freight waves has created this massive community and you kind of, that, that matters. You just, I feel like I know certain podcasts. I, I saw Tim Dooner for the first time at manifest and I felt like we were old friends. <laughs> like, so, um, and also there's these communities you're building one yourself. So you know how that is. It's, there's relationships and engagements. Some, so I could have a million downloads. And then, um, by the way, this happened with my group on LinkedIn. It's got 215,000 people in it. I remember when it had 20,000 people in it, and I felt like I knew everybody. Now it's 215,000. People go, wow, that's a huge group on LinkedIn. Is it as same with engagement? No, because there's different languages. There's people mm-hmm. selling Mercedes from Qatar in there. I have to constantly delete people out. <laughs> I would have I would have had tears in my eyes to kick someone out of that group 
10 years ago. Now I'm like, so I guess my point is I don't like to focus on numbers because one day the numbers are saying you're great. The next day they say you suck. It's the relationship, the engagement, the, the communities that we involve. And that all sounds so hokey, but it's the truth. And I think that that's sort of a, it signals to your, your sort of North star for your show and why you continuously, you know, improve on it and get great guests and, and really, you know, to, to go back to like talking about shows that I I listen to your show all the time. And I find that when I'm trying to do research on a guest that I'm going to talk to, you know, I'll do a a search in YouTube and you'll (laughs) be the, the, the result that pops up. And you have single-handedly saved my research process <laughs> By the way, I, I, for a lot of different interviews I I've done. I saw a founder at um, Manifest, and he said, I was on your podcast, and he goes, and everybody I've interviewed since for a job has listened to that podcast. <laughs> and my friend, and That's he said, awesome. so I kind of like, did you listen to the podcast? Yes, I did. <laughs> and, and by the way, my friend Chana from Robot he was on my podcast when they were still small, and they're they killing it over at Rabat. They are the king of the back station. And um, Chana said, I put my – I did a podcast interview with him. He worked at six six warehousing companies in three months. As a founder, he wanted to understand how these warehouses worked. And, and he said, I put that podcast in my signature line on my email, and he goes, people always ask me about it. So I always think – yeah, this this can work. This this can work. Oh wow, what a marketing ploy too or play is is to get the guests to link to the episode yeah. in their email I, signature. That is fantastic. That. <laughs> <laughs> yes, everybody should do that right now. When you're not listening to this podcast, you should be you should be fixing your email address. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's it's this. I really do feel this way. I have a really cool job. You have a really cool job talking to people every day who are really getting after it. Um, you know, they say you become the average of the six people you talk to. Well, look who we talk to. <laughs> like we are talking to people who are killing it. And that's not just founders. I talk to lots of people who are killing it in other ways. They're not necessarily, not everyone has to be worth a ton of money to be having a, a big impact. And I love, I love what I do just because of the people. Well, I think that that is a perfect yes. place to sort of put a pin in this discussion because I feel like we could literally <laughs> keep on talking for hours and hours. So, so Joe, where you know, obviously, if if you know of this podcast and you're listening to this podcast, you probably know about Joe's podcast. But for the sake of it, um, this is the what? What did you refer to this? This, this is the, the 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 kiss at the end of the date, and you don't want to do it at the beginning. You want to do no, it at I, the I end. Was saying, so now, I was always now, saying, plug your company at the end. It's like the good night kiss. If you plug it in the beginning, it's like the good night kiss at the beginning of the date. Weird and awkward, right? You might have ended the date. <laughs> Do it at the end and it'd be like, okay, it's maybe more appropriate. But um, yeah, you can check us out at the Logistics of Logistics. Um, we're on all the podcasting platforms. By the way, Blythe, if it's okay with you, I'll just post this. This will be one of my podcasts also for next week. <laughs> yes, absolutely. So you might be listening to this on the Logistics of Logistics. If you are, thank you so much. <laughs> 
Heck yeah. Likewise. And, and I think that, um, you know, obviously you bring a ton of value um, to this space, to logistics in general. So I think you deserve all of the flowers. So with all that said, we will link to all of your social channels within the show notes just to make it easy for folks to check out if you haven't already. I imagine you have. Um, but just in case, um, we could all, all use a, you know a few more listeners in our respective podcasts. So thank you again, Joe. This yep. was awesome. We're going to do it again in yes. the future because I waited entirely too long to have you on the show. So this is going to be a regular thing. I, I, you know, I hope so anyways. All right. Well, thank you so much, Blythe. I really appreciate the opportunity. Absolutely. Likewise. Heck yeah. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Everything is Logistics, a podcast for the thinkers and freight telling the stories behind how your favorite stuff and people get from point A to B. If you liked this episode, do me a favor and sign up for our newsletter. I know what you're probably thinking. Oh God, another newsletter. But it's the easiest way to stay updated when new episodes are released. Plus, we drop a lot of gems in that email to help the one-person marketing team and folks like yourself who are probably wearing a lot of hats at work in order to help you navigate this digital world a little bit easier. You can find that email sign-up link along with our socials and past episodes over at everythingislogistics.com. And until next time, I'm Blythe and go Jags! You have been listening to the Logistics of Logistics podcast, where we engage with leaders in the logistics and supply chain community. If you like what you hear, please subscribe, hit the like button, and leave us a nice review on Apple or Spotify or wherever else you listen. Also, please check out our videos on YouTube and connect with us on LinkedIn. We're very big on LinkedIn. And you can also reach us on the logisticsoflogistics.com, our website.